Aalto University Podcast. This is Tomi Kauppinen. We are Cloud Reachers podcast today. What a great pleasure. Welcome, Jana Peoska. So uh, let us first uh, start with a simple question. I mean, you have been so super active in technology enhanced learning, making research about it, teaching about it. So can you share some insight about it? Um, sure. So first of all, thanks for having me here. It's a great pleasure to be part of this podcast about technology enhanced learning. So this is a big topic and and if we just talk about technology we can say that we are surrounded by it and it's nothing new neither for mankind nor for education. But uh, when we are talking about how technology is purposely created and studied it's maybe important to mention that the designers of technology enhanced learning typically investigate how to design technology to be an effective le- vehicle for learning. And one of their challenges is to look at design which draws both from knowledge about the human cognition as well as from the studies that uh, inform about the role of technology in the processes of learning. And learning has been studied from many different perspectives uh, in the last uh, 20 years or so. Um, it has been studied as a facilitator for digital and multimedia literacy, uh, also for assessing the learners, for assessing and studying the learning material. It has been also studied as media itself for learning through inquiry, or as media for learning through construction, or even as media for learning through communication and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from the point of view of uh, new media and design studies, where my research is rooted in, I have been personally interested in extending the idea of learning and cognition to understand how to design new media technology that enhances embodied experiences. Mm-hmm. So we actually, I mean, learn in the, in the context or in situ in different places, right? Um, yes, uh, I, I would like to talk maybe more about embodied experiences and what I mean with that. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, so basically em- embodiment or embodied experience, it refers to our being living or feeling or our bodily entities that are situated in our physical world. Basically, it means that we experience the world through our senses, um, which is a viewpoint that um, somewhat contradicts with the typical human cognition studies. Mm -hmm. And the human cognition studies are maybe more, they refer to a sort of mental activity or mental processes for acquiring knowledge. And they they use they say that uh, we use our own thoughts, experiences and senses to generate judgments or conclusions. And traditionally, we can say that Cognition or the study of cognitive science considers the mind as more central, uh, central in the way we we experience and perceive the world, and and it has some kind of an understanding that our mind is uh, processing information in an abstract way. Where on the other hand, the embodied experiences are considering more um, our bodies. Uh, as facilitators uh, for us to experience mm. um, the world. And this is more than just the five senses that we typically refer to. Mm. In fact, uh, scientists are now talking about 10, 12, or even 30 different types of senses that we mm. have, with which we use to perceive information or the world or other people or communication, etc. Mm. 
that's an interesting point because it's, uh, I mean, we can just, uh, one simple example brought by um, Christian Frexa when he uh, wrote about strong um, spatial cognition is our ability to just move around. I mean, we mm. can, if we are unsure like whether something is, you know, at the front of something else, we just move a bit mm. to a different angle and then we see it. Yeah. While, I mean, AI doesn't really kind of normally do it. I mean, I don't know, perhaps nowadays even does it. <laughs> But that's super um, interesting. So, so you think that um, it's important to understand both the embodied experience and then human cognition kind of together to understand yeah. how we learn and... Yeah, I, I believe that um, having an eclectic perspective or more comprehensive view would be to consider that the, the mind, the processes that are coming out of there, the activities that happen uh, mentally uh, together with the experiences we feed our mind and our body that happen physically and as well as the technology we use. So in a way, um, a new kind of techno-human relationship altogether, that this is a, a viewpoint that considers many different things at the same mm-hmm. time. Like the human with AI <laughs> compared to um, human versus AI kind of discussion. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the AI because that is just one one piece of technology that we still mm-hmm. don't even understand so well. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that uh, human made it and uh, it resembles in many ways um, some kind of a human um, objectives or goals. However, it is um, it is still a um, unknown field. Yeah, let, let's absolutely. say it like that. And there are so many different kind of technologies that can um, also support learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, if you think about, I mean, different um, all these different platforms. I mean, I, I guess you were referring to all different. I mean, learning platforms, right, and learning mm-hmm. environments, but also mm-hmm. just basically search engines and so on. Mm. Um, I th- see this is a nice um, bridge to um, to think about. I mean, yourself, like, I mean, think about all the platforms you are using and and uh, mm. all the all the technology that you are wearing. So what drives you personally to research about all the virtual reality, augmented reality, wearable technologies, mm. wearable devices, um, making research about it? Yeah. and teaching about informal learning as well. Yeah. Well, personally, I think <laughs> the main driver is curiosity. What can we do? What can we create to uh, have different kind of perspectives on uh, the existing knowledge uh, and the world around us? Um, I see technology in... Um, I can maybe connect to my views to this post-phenomenological way of thinking, which uh, looks at technology as a way uh, that we experience the world. For example, if a person wears glasses, they can see certain details from the environment, and well, others not. The glasses are the piece of technology in this example. Um, maybe a more contemporary example would be, I recently read this article about... Um, a 3D uh, ultrasound that captures the unborn baby inside of the mother and then prints it in a 3D uh, format. And then there was the uh, there was an interview with a woman who had been blind but had the opportunity to really feel the shape of her baby because she couldn't see it in the traditional screens. So in this way, um, uh, I, I look at the technology as a, uh, not as an instrument outside of us, but maybe mm-hmm. as... as uh, as part of us, uh, mm. uh, that it just shapes the way that 
we look at the world, shapes our views and our experiences. And, and then it also, that means that it also shapes our behavior. It I can see. also shape uh, the way we learn or help or hinder yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So if I read you correctly, it's like, um, like if you want to understand what is learning and what is to learn as a human being, we have to understand both the technological opportunities and like like what is anyways already there yeah. with us in order to really truly understand how we learn and uh, how we should learn. Yes, uh, I, I also, I think you, you're right. And, and, and I think that it's also important uh, to uh, look at the human learning processes without technology, because in the end, if there is no motivation, if there is no passion for the subject that we're learning, no technology can really create that within us. Mm-hmm. It is um, it is just a way for us to see something or not. Yeah, yeah. Help our um, perception, perhaps. Exactly. Our understanding about the world. Exactly. Our thinking even. Yeah, it will de- definitely bring some insights. Mm-hmm. What do you think, uh, what has happened to our thinking? <laughs> have we, you know, I mean, have we uh, giving it away mostly or, I mean, to different platforms, to AI, I mean, think about Space, I think, and maybe we use navigation tools to get us from A to B, right, in an urban right. environment. But um, there are so many other forms of thinking, critical thinking, mm. with all the online information, should we sometimes be critical? Obviously, we should. Yeah. But then how to <laughs> learn it? How about critical kind of, uh, in addition to critical thinking, also design thinking, imagination, yeah, sustainable thinking, How do we even dream about learning different forms of thinking or have most people given up and they just learn some, I don't know, what, what do you think about it? <laughs> uh, there's there's so many questions there. Uh, let's start uh, from somewhere. So first of all, um, um, uh, when we're talking about learning supported with technology and uh, AI, um, we're talking about, as if I understand correctly, about informal learning. Is it so? Is this what we are talking about? Yeah, yeah. Informal learning. Yeah, so my, my personal opinion is that... Um, There is definitely a lot of services um, online that we are using that collect all kinds of information about uh, us. Uh, they know our interests and our dreams and our wishes. And um, basically through man- many of the uh, marketing campaigns uh, that are there, the sort of consumer-oriented Uh, we give away a lot of our, um, there's a lot of information collected by us, uh, f- from us. Um, and I think that um, if we, if this information will belong back to us, things would be quite different. So if we would have an insight in all these analytics, maybe we understand what uh, is engaging for us. Is it a video? Is it um, a certain kind of... Um, type of uh, text, uh, what kind of uh, media could it be, what kind of uh, social uh, interaction, is there, uh, is there a peer-to-peer learning, etc. Uh, I think that, um, I think it uh, it depends on the person, the learner or the person who is experiencing these things that... Yeah, I see your point. Because, I mean, uh, what I'm thinking is like, uh, I mean, this is just a follow-up, uh, like a creation Think about it. I mean, what if we would see all that we have done in the past, let's say, a uh, few weeks, a few months, few years, and then we would be able to say that no, but 
that is not exactly what I want to do or what I want to learn. Think about all the online videos and so on. Mm. We would be able to adjust that. I mean, don't recommend any more this kind of videos. Mm. You know, I want to learn more about space mm-hmm. and less about, I don't know, you name it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this? Um, I mean, we cannot really do it nowadays. I mean, we cannot really... Of course, there is this European directive to um, allow, you know, the world or these platforms to forget us. But mm-hmm. uh, what do you think? I mean, is it really... I mean, what if we want them to still kind of remember us, but then ask to have the power to change how they mm. should view us? Uh, definitely, this is not in mine or your hands. It, it has to be regulated on a higher level. And I believe that transparency mm. uh, is uh, really crucial uh, about this data collection and that uh, the privacy rights of the information, who owns the information and what happens to it should belong to the user, not to the companies who are collecting that. And once these black boxes are open, uh, I think that we can learn much more about ourselves. And this would help us probably to uh, identify what would be custom designed programs for us to absorb information uh, or to um, change the course of our professional development Mm -hmm. or personal development and and just really know ourselves a bit better. This information is anywhere there. Yeah, absolutely. Explainable AI actually is trying to do it, like explaining us what the AI is doing Mm. and uh, hopefully so that we can also alter somehow the decisions that the AI is doing on our behalf. Let's say uh, what kind of contents videos they are recommending us to look at next yeah yeah amazing let's uh let's think what we could uh, perhaps we could uh i don't know where should perhaps establish something in this direction um yeah yeah i, I think it i think it's interesting to to see what happens next uh, with um how uh we decide to relate to AI and how we we decide to take it further in which direction, mm-hmm. because there are so many opportunities for it as well as challenges. I think it's quite balanced <laughs> at yeah. the moment and we just need to have a decision that is uh, commonly accepted. Yeah, yeah. Because now there we, are some fears as well yeah. related to AI. Absolutely, like uh, AI will take over all our jobs or most of the jobs or <laughs> 30% of the jobs. I mean, there is so many, so many of these kind of Um, fears. I mean, it's all about uh, change, isn't it? Um, if you look at yourself, I mean, your mm. life and career or anything, mm. um, has there been some big turning point or some change yeah. in your life or career that really, really made you think uh, in a different way? Yeah. Well, personally, I'm, I'm driven by processes. Um, this is how I have related to my work, let's say, that that there would not be a, a certain kind of objective that this is where I would like to be or this is what I would like to achieve in five or ten years. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoy the process. And and when we're talking about change, I, I find that change is the only constant, that that we are continuously in a form of development, that this is, this is also how I, I look at learning, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, what can, what have been in, in my career something that... Uh, maybe changed a little bit the course of my research work, was uh, in the field of um, design research. Basically, uh, I have been a part of several different kind of studies which have um, investigated the way we relate to technology and how we can use technology to enhance our experiences, our embodied experiences, as, as I said before. 
Uh, wearable technology can can do that. Even our, our our phones can do that. It doesn't have to be some kind of external or super developed uh, piece of technology. Um, however, uh, these are only supporting about the values and the methods that we have in these processes. Mm-hmm. So if we think about um, uh, the, the design of these technologies, which I have been also a part of, they are following methods uh, which are uh, very often in a circle of uh, strengthening the same kind of human technology relations. And if I try to make this... Uh, simpler present this 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 thing is simpler basically the designers are producing um, software or hardware based on uh, user studies trying to understand what the user needs uh, what is available with the current technology and in that way they are uh, strengthening the same kind of patterns because those users have been used to use certain piece of communication technology for example in in a way that typically design designers think. So what can we do to get out of this frame? How we can design technology that we can use um, in a way that it doesn't always represent the same kind of approach? Many of these technologies support inequality, for example, just, just because they are designed by designers who have a user group study. Yeah, so really a uh, turning point has been to kind of uh, if i rephrase it like to understand that that we we should really try to get out of the box mm. of this i mean earlier design thinking or thinking this this happened to me this is my mm. own opinion and my own experience that mm. uh, um, that in these processes of designing a new media technology i realized that uh, for me what is important is to uh, try to contribute to this field by offering maybe a different kind of perspective mm-hmm. uh, to designing technology, a one that will support different kind of human technology relationships that there are at the moment. Maybe not even change them, but maybe challenge these processes. Mm-hmm. What do you think, um, I mean, how do we um, how do we get out of this box then? I mean, how mm. do we, is it, what is, should mm. we learn in more, I don't know, interdisciplinary teams or what is the how do you see what is the solution yeah well that's a quite a interesting question what would be the solution um definitely i i think that an interdisciplinary approach would change things because uh if we look at a certain problem from different kind of study disciplines if we're talking about academic approaches we would have um a more uh, comprehensive view of possible solutions than having just a single view. Mm-hmm. Similar with um, studies that have so far been done uh, with technology-enhanced learning, uh, they always have to be done together with software developers, designers, scientists, yeah. researchers, and practitioners. Only only one of these communities cannot design this technology because the de- the the pace of development is so fast I see. that they just, without this kind of collaboration, Um, the product or the service will not be successful. Mm-hmm. So in a similar way, mm-hmm. I, I think... Exactly. So the challenge is even uh, transdisciplinary. So, I mean, yeah. it cannot even be solved by single disciplines or even with kind of interdisciplinary approach. But it's it's so transdisciplinary nowadays. I mean, let's look at 
all these complex global challenges. Like, I mean, who should produce and what and where and, mm. you know, create pollution. And it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, have you um, have you seen that happening uh, somewhere already? Obviously, I mean, here in <laughs> in our university, perhaps all the university. I mean, I, I mm. know that it it's of course one of the goals mm. to bring different kind of disciplines together to to uh, solve global challenges, sustainable development goals, for example. But um, what do you see? Uh, are you, do you see that something should be done? I think that definitely or, there is a trend uh, in universities uh, in uh, uh, bringing together several dif- disciplines to um, approach, for example, uh, design processes and technology, particularly for artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. I recently noticed that there are uh, several programs already for bachelor studies that they combine psychology studies and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. as, as a beginner bachelor study. If we think about it in the wider scale or where this direction could be going, uh, it could bring up a lot of uh, different kind of directions for development. Mm-hmm. So really bringing people early on together, perhaps even before that, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not sure about before that. Um, maybe one thing that I would mention is that uh, we would need a, a stronger media literacy um, as part of the curriculum in the schools, yeah. um, just to um, raise awareness about uh, sources of information, what is a valuable source, how to use these researches online, mm-hmm. what are the, the dynamics that happen between Uh, peer-to-peer, for example, learning practices or or, or um, different kind of media. And even perhaps just to understand that it's so many of these platforms are recommending content to us based on what others have been consuming. I mean, I mean, of course, these famous examples like okay, customers who bought this one also bought this one or looked at this one. I mean, mm. same is happening for media as well. That's so right. look at these articles because. Like 90% of the people who looked at this article, but isn't this um, kind of feeding itself, right? So That's, at some point, perhaps you yeah. are so much dived into that bubble, including you and perhaps mm. some of your peers, that it's kind of hard to even get out of that bubble, right? Because I mean, how do you yeah. how do you say to all these platforms, hey, forget like everything about me. I want to start from scratch. I mean, I want to explore the world. I mean, what is there? What what is there to learn? Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And and this is probably what I was referring to when I was uh, talking about different kind of approaches that can be done in terms of design of technology, because not only that there is these services that are um, uh, creating these echo chambers uh, and, and maybe bubbles of, of information, but there are also examples for others to be uh, created at the same time. So it's a trend that we have entered uh, where one service is feeding another or the results Absolutely. of one is just mm. giving way for another and we are not really questioning that enough, I think. Yeah. Hey, I mean, talking about online, what did you learn online last <laughs> time? Um I have uh, many different kind of uh, feed channels uh, where I get informed about um, scientific discoveries. And I would say that uh, hmm, some of them are texts, many of them are texts, actually. Um, Some of them are are short videos, which uh, just uh, function as me as uh, (laughs) baits to get to know something deeper. 
um, but quite a lot of um, things I have learned through others. So some some of my acquaintances, uh, whether professionally or personally, is sharing um, some of their interests online, uh, which triggers for me an interest uh, just because I know their previous experiences uh, uh, related to or, or, or just how they are. Maybe yeah, it's enough yeah. inspiring to check a certain kind of information, which, which I would not have checked before. I see. So instead of recommendations by AI, it's recommendations by your friends, right? That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Should we uh, focus more on those kind of recommendations? Hmm. I don't know if people have even yeah. realized that kind of difference that clearly, although of course it's super clear, I mean, difference, mm. but uh, kind of intentionally focusing on one or the other kind of recommendations. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that even these uh, accesses uh, that... Uh, we are uh, open to that they are not engineered as well. For example, I can get to see some person's feed uh, in social media just because the algorithm has allowed me to. If the so, algorithm changes, yeah. then uh, I, I am affected and sometimes I'm not even aware why I'm not receiving um, news feeds from some of my colleagues or friends. So I, I believe that it's already, uh, as it is now, it's already quite... Um, designed process. Um, I don't know if it's designed by humans or, or it is um, automatized process yeah. or it is uh, some kind of algorithm that, that yeah. uh, scrambles um, connections. So I, I wouldn't know what to say. Um, yeah, so it's like uh, it's not this or that, but it's so it's kind of so many different uh, shades in between. Like Because I mean, if I'm talk, uh, thinking about direct messages, then mm. Of course, we can kind of at least have the illusion that, okay, well, now there is somebody who wants to recommend this to directly to us. But what if it's uh, social media where we are following certain people? And then what if those messages are filtered out? Yeah, exactly. So then it's already made decision made by AI or human with AI. I mean, some sort of yeah. interesting combination. Yeah, well, which is which is um, something to consider. Then, then what should be the priority? What should we uh, do about this? And maybe one thing that we could do is support the idea for transparency, to understand how these processes are working, to yeah. understand how these algorithms are uh, manipulating our ways of interaction or are affecting the way yeah. we communicate. Yeah. Once we understand that, maybe we can make choices that are different, that are based on actual knowledge. Mm. that we know how our lives are uh, affected. And, and and I think that every person uh, is communicating in slightly different ways, uh, has different interests, uh, might use the platform completely other ways than what the algorithm maybe proposes for them. So, so once we see all this about the way maybe social media or, or other uh, online arg- algorithms are working with search engines and uh, browsing histories, etc., then maybe we can understand how uh, how we would like to, to do things, each of us individually. Yeah, which brings us to your vision about the future of learning. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I mean, this has been fantastic discussion, but uh, if you could do anything, basically, you could decide what is the future <laughs> of learning? What, how would it look like? What is, what is your vision? Hmm. In a utopic sense, we have access to everything that, that humankind knows or has recorded and archived. So there could be uh, 
the internet will will be a really free library to access and accessibility will not be an issue and it will be open for everybody on on earth accessible and um, then in this kind of scenario i feel that the role of learning will be to find the right mentorship and to to be sure to find one owns interest so i think that access to information or technology will 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 not be even a question of um, will not even be a question because it will be there. The question will be what to do with all this information, how to curate a program for oneself, how to find the right support to um, develop in a certain way, and how to maintain focused in one kind of study or several kind of studies and not dispersed all around. Because when everything is available, maybe nothing becomes interesting. I don't know. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. So how to stay focused? Yeah, because it's all much competition about your attention, right? Mm. I'm not sure even if it's about attention, because why learn something when everything is there? Yeah. Why, yeah. why store anything in our minds when I we see. know that it yeah. can be always accessible? Mm. But then how to develop competences? This mm. will be something that is interesting to think about. Yeah. How to perhaps develop curiosity to want to know something or want to learn certain kind of thinking or want to learn certain competence or skill. You mean like motivation or... or yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that curiosity comes um, or not if, if there is the strong interest. Um, and I think maybe uh, the ways of uh, engaging people to be continuously developing one, one thing while... Yeah consciously deciding to let go of other interesting things that might yeah, be happening. Yeah. If, we, if we understand how to do that, that would be mm. a, an interesting future. Thanks so much. Hey, final question. And we ask this uh, from everybody, all of our guests. So our podcast is called Cloud Reachers. So reaching out cloud for reaching out <laughs> dreams, reaching out online. Yeah. You can have different meanings for it. But uh, if you think about the cloud reacher of your field, mm-hmm. who or what would it be? Ah, this is about this is similar to saying what is my favorite color because I like <laughs> uh, many kind of colors. But uh, if I need to take out one um, one thinker in my field, at this point I would probably highlight um, Peter Paul Verbeek, who is a well-known uh, post-phenomenologist coming from Netherlands, and and he's um, uh, maybe a philosopher of, of technology. Yeah. I'm, I'm also really uh, curious uh, and reading quite a lot about uh, post-humanist approaches uh, in my areas, which consider not only human, but also non-human factors as, as uh, a part of the whole system and as equal entities like, like animals and uh, uh, digital entities like AI, etc. Mm. So it, it's interesting to think about um, what is the the kind of uh, environment? What does it uh, contain in there? Which are all the valuable stakeholders there, and what are all the dynamics between them, mm-hmm. etc. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining this episode of uh, Cloud Reachers. Thank you um, for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Jana. <laughs> thanks Bye. for listening. See ya.